It's great to uh, be with you here today, and as always, uh, we'll just love to spend this time to start off our week together. And on this Memorial Day weekend, I thought we would, uh, as we get started, uh, we want to take a moment and just to stop and reflect and remember the men and women who have given their life in service of our country and uh, for, you know, being close to a military community, and there's a lot of you who served this hits home for many of you and even some of at Seacoast. So we want to take a moment and just reflect and be grateful for the lives that were lost um, in service of our country and uh, the families that are affected. So let's take a moment to pray, and we're going to start with just a moment of silence. Maybe for you, you're remembering somebody or a, fam- a family member, a friend, uh, or maybe you're just thinking of someone who, who just the gratefulness that we have in a country where we have freedom to freely worship our God. So let's just start off this morning and just reflect, remember, with a heart of uh, gratefulness. So join me. God, sometimes the silence can feel awkward, so quiet. And Lord, really, that's the silence that many people, many families feel after the loss of a loved one. And so we as a church today want to just give our thanks to you, the creator of all. We thank you for the freedom we have. And Lord, we pray that you'd bring comfort to the families of the men and women who have given their lives in service of our country. We pray that you would enter and bring peace and hope into their lives. And we pray that uh, those who do not yet know you, that the Christians around them would be that those people of peace and purpose and to lean in. And so, God, today we remember and we're with grateful hearts for your provision and your comfort. So we pray comfort now in Jesus' name. Amen. And anytime we uh, remember those who are lost in service of our country, we do want to give a moment just to say thank you for those of you, the men and women here at Seacoast, who currently serve or who have served in our our armed services. We just want to thank you for your service and your sacrifice that you have made. And so we're grateful for you and your continued uh, commitment to our country. So thank you for that. We are grateful for all of you who serve. So yeah, we can give them. And we we know for many of you who do serve days like this, names, actual names of people, brothers and sisters in arms probably come to mind. And so we want you to know we want to walk with you as always through through those times too. So I want to invite you to open your Bibles to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 3. So open your Bibles, turn your Bibles on, whatever it takes for you here today. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, today we're going to be in, do things a little bit differently, and uh, we are not in a particular series this morning. And in fact, next week we're going to begin a summer series. So we're taking a pause from the book of Acts. We're still on pace to finish the book of Acts in year 2023, but we're going to uh, take this summer, uh, we're going to take a look at, uh, actually we're studying through the Ten Commandments. And as we do that, for some of you, you think, oh, good, these are 10 rules for living, and I want to have 10 new laws to follow. And maybe for some of you, that turns you off. Um, 
And so, some, maybe you just grew up with like the Ten Commandments on your wall and, and your parents would point to it from time to time. Um, you're breaking number seven right now. Let's go. Whatever it might be. But we're going to study them in context and really understand, okay, if now in Christ, the law has been done away with, so in Christ now we have all the forgiveness we could ever have. We have all the acceptance we could ever desire or ever need. We are fully in Christ. So the law no longer makes us acceptable in God's eyes. Jesus does. You with me on that? So if Jesus makes us acceptable in God's eyes, then what's the role of something like the Ten Commandments? So that's what this series is going to be about. We're going to study it and see how we actually now, this is a path of life and freedom, and it actually gives us a picture of what the image of God looks like. So there's a lot of practical stuff that will pop up through that that we'll start studying next week. But this week, we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, where Paul is actually writing to a church in Corinth, and he's talking about the Old Covenant or the law, the Ten Commandments. And he's recalling the story and says when Moses was receiving the Ten Commandments, he would come down the mountain and it said his face was shining. And the Hebrew word here, we have this Shekinah glory. We don't even really know what it means. It's, it's just this, some sort of glowing image. But essentially what they believed was as he came down from this mountain, he clearly was in the presence of God. But then Moses used to put a veil over his face as that uh, glory would fade away. As if he, the farther he was, the more time he was away from the presence of God, that glory would, would fade and he would cover his face. Now we wonder, why did he cover his face? It was either, one, he didn't want people to see this because it was, they were like, what is up with you? What's going on? Or was it that he covered his face because his glory was fading and it was essentially a filter. It was a way of hiding, saying, oh, will you think less of me now? So I don't even want you to see this glory that's fading. And so Paul is writing about it. Here, he says this in verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. He says, We have such a hope. We, have great, we use great boldness in our speech. We're not like Moses, who used to put a veil over his face so that the sons of Israel would not stare at the end of what was fading away. So they wouldn't see that something that he wasn't measuring up. Their minds were hardened, and to this very day, when the reading of the Old Covenant, or the law, the same veil remains unlifted, but it is removed in Christ. So really what he's saying is the problem with the law was it never did enough. You would always fall short. You could have ten good days in a row, and then one bad thought. Something where you fell short of God. And so it was this endless cycle. And so it was like a veil remained. Every time the reading, you knew that you had to cover up your own shame. Skip down, verse 17. Because if the veil is taken away in Christ, Paul says this, now where the Lord is, sorry, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We now are set free for something new. But we all, with unveiled faces, looking as in the mirror at the glory of the Lord, were being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. Okay, let's look at verse 18 right here for a moment. But we all, with unveiled faces, so for in Christ, this veil is taken away. It says, we look in, as in a mirror. When you look in the mirror in the morning, who do you see? Hopefully you say yourself, because if you don't, that's a weird dream. So, okay, so when you, when you look in the mirror, and it reflects you. And Paul says, we're looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord. 
So he's saying, in Christ, when you look at the mirror, you see you, but the glory of Jesus is there. That's what you see. And I've said it before, but how many of you wake up in the morning, you stare at that mirror, and you say, man, that is the glory of Jesus right there. I tell Sarah that all the time. Come and look at the glory of God. Staring right back at me. <laughs> she says, not right now, it's not. <laughs> but that's what Paul's saying. In Christ, when we see ourselves, you don't see the broken person. You don't see the sinner. You don't see the one who struggles with guilt and doubt. You see the glory of Christ staring back at you. That is who you are in Jesus. That is what's true of you. You are a saint. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are a saint. Right now, let them know. If that's too hard, look at the person next to you and say, I'm a saint. Because <laughs> that is what is true of you in Christ. Everything you need. Now, I want you to see the rest of this verse. Paul says this, but we, and we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is a way of saying in ever-increasing glory. So this is interesting. What's fully true of you is you are in the image of God. You are in the image of Jesus. That is true of you. And at the same time, you're being transformed into ever-increasing in that image. In other words, your full identity is in Christ, but now your life as we walk with him, continues to be transformed and shaped so that the outside starts catching up with what's true of you on the inside. That word there, transformed, is a word we know. It's a Greek word, metamorphi. And it means, literally, we're going through a metamorphosis, changing from something old to something new, in ever-increasing measure. And what are we changing into? The glory of the Lord. This Greek word doxa is something, literally the root of it is when there's a high opinion of something that leads to praise. So the image of God in you is this highest opinion of who you are. And the attributes of God are true in you. So, as so we look at that, notice in here it's saying we're still, what's true is you're in Christ, but you're being transformed so that more and more of you looks like what's our, your identity. I've used this example before, but here's how we explain it. When I became a father, when my oldest son was born, I became a father. My identity changed in an instant. I was a father, even though I didn't know everything about being a father. The first day, I had it right. I never made a mistake up to that point. But I didn't know everything about being a father. I didn't know how to parent a toddler. I didn't know how to parent a teenager. I didn't know how to wrestle through awkward conversations. I didn't know how to get your teenager to tell you that they're dating someone. I didn't know any of those. I didn't know how to respond when they couldn't hit a curveball. I didn't know any of that. But that didn't make me less of a father. I was a father. But the more and more you live in, in that and lean in and grow as a father and read books and make mistakes and, and all those things, you get better and better at it. That's why our third kid is our best of our three. So, but I'm growing in that identity. And that's the same as in Christ. We grow in that identity. I was thinking back of this last year, and this brought up a lot of opportunities to grow and a lot of things to be challenged with. And for me, I was thinking, how am I growing 
in my identity in Christ this year. And there's one thing that I got to share with our life group uh, recently, and, and just something that I think kept coming up is this total trust that God is in control. Now, you say, Ryan, you've told us that. You, you preach all down through the whole election season. You said, who's on the throne? Jesus on the throne. Do you believe it? All of it. And I fully have no problem with the politics side. Jesus is on his throne. I got it. But it's a little harder when it has to do with my family, my kids, and even my job here. And wrestling with that, God kept saying, Are you, can you trust that I am in control even of your job and the church? Because so many questions came up. I, I couldn't find this handbook in, anywhere in the handbook that said, Parenting Kids Through a Pandemic. I missed that chapter. I missed the, the section that was leading a church through a pandemic. Then when you throw on racial tension on top of it and an election season just for fun, that, that chapter wasn't in there. And in a time when people are moving out of state and people changing churches and all of that, none, all of that was rest, I was wrestling with. What does that mean for me? Am I the right person at this time? Am I in the right place? And what God kept reminding me was this. In, in fact, it came through a song in one uh, prayer time. And the song was on, and it just said, uh, the singer said, I am reminded from where you have brought me and where you have placed me for today. And I will believe that your hand will hold me and your love sustains me through the weight. And what God was saying is, will you just trust that you are exactly where I want you right now? Because if God didn't want me where he has me right now, he could get rid of me pretty easily. But the word was, trust that I am in control even of this. So that's one way for me that I've been growing in just my belief in this last year. But it's enough hearing about me. I want to invite up a couple Seacoasters who are going to share how they're growing. So I want to invite up, would you welcome up Lisa and Frank? Frank Sung and Lisa Neal are coming up. I said I was going to do that faster this service, and I didn't. So, anyway. <laughs> Come on up. One thing, uh, so this is uh, Lisa and Frank. Many of you probably, uh, if you've been around, you've seen them. And uh, we're going to have a little Oprah ch chat here. So, if we can get some tears, that'll be good. Uh, but uh, one of the things is, e each of you, in this last month, uh, we've had a conversation separately. Um, and when we were talking, one of the things that struck stood out to me with both of you in our conversation was how you're telling me how you're growing in your belief in who Jesus is. And you know, our purpose as a church is that we exist to help people discover life in Christ and learn to walk in his ways. And that, that means that it doesn't just happen once. It's something that happens as long as we're alive, we're growing in that belief. We're discovering life in Jesus. And both of you are models of that. And it's such an encouragement uh, for, for me to hear, so I wanted all of us to hear. So let's start off just by way of introduction, name, and how long have you been a part of Seacoast? Uh, yeah, I'm Frank. I'm a child of God, and my wife and I have been at Seacoast for 18 years, ever since we moved back out from the desert, from Arizona. From Arizona, all right. And 18 years, thank you. And Lisa? Well, I'm Lisa Neal, and I have been at Seacoast for 11 years, since 2009. Okay. And 11 years. Time goes by fast, huh? Yeah. It's great to have both of you here. Let's start off with you, Frank. Just share a little bit of just 
how your faith be- journey began, I think a lot of us maybe don't know this, but it wasn't one of those Hume Lake mountaintop experiences. Hume Lake experiences are great, by the way. Our high schoolers and junior highs, our high schoolers are heading there soon. But um, you didn't have one of those Hume Lake experiences. So let's... No, not at all. Um, you know, I was an immigrant, uh, came to the United States when I was seven years old. We really pretty much just, you know, worked hard and tried to assimilate and do well in school and get a piece of the rock, right? That, that was kind of be good, avoid evil, just be a good citizen. And it took me till I was 29 years old to find my heavenly father. And I can remember it as clear as day, even today, 40 years later. So I had this little philosophy that somehow I picked up, I don't know, I was full of myself. I basically said, hey, God knows whether I've been good or bad. And if anybody's going to go to heaven, I'm in the top 20%, and I'm going to go to heaven. <laughs> so that was my little thing. And Robin and I got married, and we had a little baby girl named Audrey who goes to Seacoast now. And we had this conversation. We said, okay, we want her to have some spiritual training before those rebellious teenage years. So a neighbor invited us to go to this little church. It was in a strip mall. And Audrey, uh, so Robin wanted to take Audrey and check it out. She was six months old, and I protested. And I said, she's only six months old. She's the baby. What's the rush? <laughs> and, but I tagged along. I tagged along. So, uh, so Pastor Wayne at this little church, I've never been in church, really. I've never, never. So it was all new. He taught on who Jesus is and the good news. And he challenged us, and I felt like he was speaking to me. He challenged us. He says, you can't just say Jesus is a good teacher a man of peace and love, because he also said these other things. He said that he was the one and only son of God, that he died on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. He rose again, that you who receive him, accept him, have life now, life ever after. And oh, by the way, he also defeated death, and he defeated Satan. And so he either is who he says he is. You guys have heard this, the C.S. Lewis uh, uh, teaching. Either who he says he is, he is who he says he is, or, or he's lying, or he's kind of crazy man, right? So he says, with all eyes closed and heads bowed, eyes closed, heads bowed, just slip up your hand if you want to just take that step of faith and trust and believe he is who he says he is. So I slipped up my hand. I hadn't been in church forever, but it just kind of... <laughs> It just, I don't know. Uh, I, I know now it was the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and then so we get up and sing a couple songs. That's not a rhythm I'm familiar with. And then he says, a couple of you that raise your hand, come on up. I want to pray for you. <laughs> and th- that was the beginning. That was 40 years ago. So it's been quite a journey. Lots of people have invested in me and my spiritual journey, my spiritual growth. And I'm in a season of life now where I want to I give back. I want to give back, pay it forward. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love that you um, knew you were in the top 20% too. That's good. <laughs> I was always a C student, so I was, you know. <laughs> Isn't that how they grade in school on the curve, you know, top 20% you're in? Anyway. No, that's great. It's, it's cool to see two things. One, that you, God prompted your heart to, to raise your hand in those moments. And I've been there as a pastor in that awkward moment. Like, is anyone going to respond? And then, uh, then he tricked you and said, now come forward after the songs, which was, that's great that you did that. We're so grateful you responded to that call, call and I know your family is too. So what does that look like for you now, uh, this, this many years later? Yeah, thank you. So fast forward uh, 40 years, and we're, I'm in a season of life, retired after sales, sales management with IBM for 40 years, and I'm retired. But, 
but I want to continue growing and learning, and I want to be a shepherd. So about six, seven years ago, I thought to myself, you know, I really want to have more resources, tools in my toolkit so that I can be perhaps a, a more effective shepherd. And so I was introduced to Freedom in Christ Ministries. And it's a ministry which is all about identity in Christ, that we're accepted, secure, and significant in Christ and Christ alone. And there's certainly a lot of things in this world in our journey that that's keep us from that. We, we get, anyway, so... So this ministry is all about the Word of God, and I submitted myself, yielded to some additional training. And actually, at Seacoast, we're, we're blessed to have about 10 of us that have gone through this additional training where we can teach the material about our identity. We can help people get unstuck. And uh, that was an answer to prayer. And I'll just take a moment, and a couple of them are here. Uh, Greg and Kim are our newest member of our team. They're missionaries to France, but they went through some additional training, and they're teaching this material to the missionaries that they uh, shepherd and oversee globally. So that, that's a real blessing. Jonathan Searle, you guys know, Matt and Paige Carlson, my wife Robin and I. Uh, we've got Melinda Buchanan. We've got Mary Jane Nager. We've got uh, Patty Colm, our most recent uh, member also. So 10 of us. This church is just incredibly well-resourced, uh, if you will, to be able to shepherd people, teach the message of freedom. So we're, uh, we're really thankful for that. And so prayer is a big deal. I, over and over and over, I've been trained to pray, continue to pray, and I just, I just know and love how this church makes it a, a, a priority. Like we, last week, you guys heard about a new vision statement, our goals and plans for the next three to five years. And we called to pray for 24 hours starting next Friday. So I signed up, 7 a.m., 24 hours. So join, join in prayer. That's how we align our wants and needs to God's wants and needs. So what am I learning? How am I growing? Prayer is a, is a double-down emphasis, um, learning and growing in Freedom in Christ ministry and being able to shepherd better. And then the third area that I'm really learning and growing is that just a recognition that our spiritual journey is a team game. It's a team game, uh, meaning, you know, that testimony last week really cut to the chase. Nick was just awesome. He says, you know, most of the time we're okay, but when we go through rough patches, it's awesome to be known and, being, and, and to know others and have others come alongside of us. So whether you're starting, uh, studying the Word together, whether you're living life together, whether you're shepherding each other, just being in community. You know, Jesus said that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Well, he can do that. The enemy, Satan, can do that if we're isolated. So don't let yourself be isolated. Don't be easy pickings. So those are the three things that I'm learning and continuing to grow in, Ryan. I love that. I love just that phrase that you kind of slipped in there, but this idea that we're accepted, secure, and significant in Christ. And oh, by the way, just, I mean, Tim already kind of showed it on the screen. But the team of three of us, Patty Cole, Robin, and I, were leading a 12-week small group study on Tuesday evenings that basically helps you understand who you are in Christ and helps you deal with the stuff that we've picked up, the lies, how to, how to root those lies out, replace them with God's truth. So consider joining us. Go to respond.church. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, you got your plug in. I told you I could. So yeah, and that is starting soon. So that's a great thing to learn about that acceptance, security, and significance, which I think is something we all would want. Would you agree? Uh, so let's, let's transition. Let's move over here to Lisa. So Lisa, you've been here part of the Seacoast family for, uh, it's almost 12 years now. If it was 2009, I'm just saying. But um, <laughs> 
But again, uh, your journey has been a little different. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about how you've gotten to where you are? Well, sure. Thank you, Ryan. Um, first of all, I'll tell you that the Lisa that you're talking to right now mm -hmm. is way different than the Lisa that I thought I was mm -hmm. and the Lisa that I lived in for most of my life. Completely different. And what God has been teaching me and what I'm learning from him right now in this phase of my life is how to be his beloved. You know, how to, how to just be and how to experience him in the secret place of his affection for me. And how to just quietly wait on God and cease from doing, because I had lived a life of doing, working, striving, trying to earn acceptance, trying to measure up, and in an environment, and in a religious environment where God was preached to be an angry, punishing, condemning God that I never could measure up to. Mm. And even though I knew the truth, it was in my heart that way. It was hard to break that, that those chains, you know. Yeah. So he's teaching me how to just be his beloved mm. and how to be washed over in his love. You know, I love getting up early in the morning. Yeah. T tell me about that. Like how, with him. how do you do that? What, what does that look like to learn how to rest in that beloved? I know you're, you're starting to go into that, but I think that's yeah. it's good for us to hear. What does that even look like for you? Well, you know, I'll first say that it, it's a real and raw process because mm. There are many nights I'd get up praying, crying, battling with emotional pain, you know, rejection, children going astray, a child incarcerated, mm. you know, and just warring it out. And I had to put the devil on notice. <laughs> I did. I had to tell him, you know, you don't know who you're messing with. That's I'm right. a child of God. That's right. <laughs> God knew me before the foundation of the world he chose me in Christ to be holy and blameless before him in love he predestined to me to adoption as his beloved daughter through Christ according to the kind intentions of his will oh I preach to the devil I say Ephesians 1 verse 3 to 5 you better get behind me I do because because it keeps me focused on on him and who he is showing me to be in his eyes you see and I'll always remember where he has brought me from. You see, I came to Seacoast under different circumstances. You know, I didn't come here because I was looking for a friendly church or for many of the reasons that some people come here. I was brought here by my twin sister against my will. <laughs> you know, my life had been shattered and I was abandoned and stripped of my home, my children, my family, my car, everything I love, all my relationships, and left homeless and hopeless. And I was so devastated, I collapsed on the floor. My sister found me on the floor in an empty and abandoned house. And she picked me up and brought me to San Diego and dragged me to Seacoast <laughs> because I didn't want to be here. I was full of shame. I was full of, why is this happening to me? I didn't want to talk to anyone. I didn't want to know. You know, I had given up on God, given up on hope, and given up on life, and I was at the end of my rope holding the scissors, you know. Mm. So she said, you're going to come to church. <laughs> so I came here, and it was in this community that, at Seacoast, that God, God touched me, you know. It was here that there were loving and intentional 
mature woman who, who reached out to me, who came alongside me, who prayed with me, who walked with me. You know, from the door, Paige Carlson, Emma Olson, little girl, just wrap her arms around me, mm. you know? Yeah. Linda J.R., Melinda Buchanan, Kim Burbeth, Ellen Bennett, Sandy Byers, Pam Economides, Carol Hobson. I mean, they came alongside me. And they saw in me what I could not see in myself. Thank you, Jesus. Mm -hmm. They saw in me. And 11 years, almost 12 years later, they are still, like, very close to me. You have a very strong bond. Mm. So what it looks like is I just to get up. I get up early while it's dark. I love it when it's dark and it's peaceful. How early? We got to know this. It's about, what, 4, 4.30, right? Yeah. 4.30. That's, 4.30. We but, call that know, nighttime. We don't, I, that's, yeah. that, I we go up, to bed around that. Yeah. I, I get up about an hour before my husband. He usually joins me around 5.30. <laughs> But um, it's because it's quiet, and I can be still. And when I'm just quiet, and sometimes it's a, it's a clear night, and you can see the stars outside, so it's a big window. And I can just be still and think about the goodness of God. He's so good. Where he has brought me from. Because I look at my life today, and it's unrecognizable. You know? It's unrecognizable. God has, he's blessed me. He's blessed me with a beautiful husband that I didn't know that I would ever have. He blessed me to be able to travel to Africa every year and share my story and to minister to people. And even in this COVID environment, because I, I couldn't go last year, he, you know, I just do it missionally, you know. And, and when I'm in that, that quiet time with him and I'm just quiet, he shows me how he sees me through his eyes, mm -hmm. through his eyes, which is completely different from what my life has told me, what my circumstances and other people have told me, you see. I'm nothing like that. I am, I'm a courageous person. I'm bold, I'm passionate. Mm -hmm. I love life. I'm a level five extrovert. I didn't know that either. <laughs> I, I can speak in front of people. I sure didn't know that, mm. you know, and there's just a lot about me that he helps me to discover about myself, yeah. you see. And, and now looking back over that, you know, I can see it's so different. I'm, I'm a person who has this fearless love for God, for people, and the lost. Mm -hmm. I have this fire in my spirit mm -hmm. to share the message of the gospel of Jesus. Mm -hmm and a grateful joy in my spirit that cannot be contained. Hmm. My circumstances don't have to dictate that to me. That didn't used to be the case, yeah, you see. That's great. And so what does that look like now, you know? I get to do these, I mean, I started a nonprofit. We get to help people here in the States and abroad and I have a business that where it collides with ministry, you know, and, and just being out and about, running errands every day, turns into an incredible adventure with God. Yeah. It's incredible. Why don't you give us, you know, because what, what you're really describing is this idea of, well, we've been talking about this metamorphosis. Both of you are describing what's true of us in Christ is we have this identity, but there's all kinds of things that keep us from believing that. But you're growing in that. You're understanding it. And now 
things come up. But why don't you end this time by sharing about the, the story you told us the first service in, in the, the new Sephora that opened up. And, and just tell us just how sometimes that shows up. And in, in some ways, I think you're helping other people see that God might see them differently than they're thinking. So tell us that story so we can see how this practically plays out as we end our time. So, you know, there's a Sephora in town, and I like makeup, and that was kind of a problem, you know. <laughs> but uh, I just was there the other day, and as I do before I go into any establishment, I, you know, I've learned to just stop and say, okay, God, open my eyes to see what you see, and my ears to hear what you hear. hear. Help me to see people the way you see them, to interact with them the way you interact with them, to say what you would say. And so fill me afresh with your love. Because somebody just tried to cut me off at the light last night. <laughs> and, and, and help me to be who you've called me to be. So I go in Sephora, and there's a sweet lady that's helping me. And, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit just orchestrates a conversation. Because, you know, I don't even know how we ended there. But she's asking me questions, and I tell her, I'm just so happy to be in San Diego and just to be, just have another chance at life. You know, life looks so different for me. She's like, really? I said, oh, yes. And if you knew the backstory, it would shock you. And I said, you know what? I'm just so full of joy and peace and gratefulness and love. I'm just so grateful to get to live life the way I do. And you know why? Somebody prayed for me. That's why. A complete stranger. People I didn't even know came alongside me. I said, so I'm just so grateful. And truth be told, I just want to pay it forward. So do you mind if I ask you a question? If, if there was one thing I could pray for you for, what would it be? Hmm. And she said, what? <laughs> I said, if there was one thing I could pray for you for, what would it be? She said, ooh. <laughs> and then she, she just started crying. She just started weeping right there. And then she's like, oh, excuse me, I'm so sorry. I'm supposed to be working. She was just trying to pull herself together. And I said, it's okay. Tears are precious. She began to talk to me about this emotional pain in her life and all of the struggles and stresses she was going through. And she just couldn't quite figure out what, what she was doing. And I, I said, you know, allow me 45 seconds. And I just, the Holy Spirit gave me words to pray for her, to pray God's peace, Jesus' love, an intimate relationship with him, her, his salvation in her life. And she looked up at me, and, and she said, no one had ever done that before. Mm -hmm. She was still in tears. Mm -hmm. She says, I will never, ever forget this. Mm -hmm. She says, because none of those things have been true for me. Mm -hmm. She says, and, she says, you must go to church. I said, well, yeah. <laughs> she said, where do you go? I said, Seacoast Community, come on anytime. <laughs> I gave her my card. You know, God used me at that moment in time in her life to speak something into her on her journey. And I truly believe that he can use that to bring him into a saving relationship with him. That's you know, right. so I just want to encourage us to, and just to, just to be able to say, I want to encourage somebody at Seacoast is a miracle, just that I can sit here and say that. <laughs> well, it's a miracle. But I do want to encourage us to just stop and take a moment and ask God, who am I in your eyes? Hmm. You know, because God is brilliant, and he has <laughs> uniquely and brilliantly created each one of us. Mm -hmm. So ask him, what does that look like in my life? And does my life reflect that brilliance? Hmm. And I would say, be intentional. Get along with God. Allow his love to wash over you and to show you who you are in his eyes. And then be intentional about accepting it, believing it, embracing it, and fleshing it out in your life.
you know. Pray before you go into an establishment. Pray before you get into relationships and talk with people. And watch God use you. When you do that, this world will change. That's right. I know it will. Yeah. And people yeah. will respond to you. They will be drawn to you because what they see in you will be different than what they are seeing in the world. Way different. Yeah. Right? And God will use you to speak into their life the message of the saving gospel of Christ or to be an agent of blessing in a tangible way of act of kindness that will lead them into a closer relationship with Jesus. Amen? Amen. That's <laughs> Amen. awesome. Well, that's good. Well, thank you so much. I mean, I, how many of you would love to have walked into Sephora that day? That would have been like, like that would have been cool to see someone praying and then, you know, she's got plenty of makeup. She can cover up that crop. Those but um, I love that you were there to, to meet her in that moment. And the truth is this. Frank and Lisa are like you. Don't think, oh, they're on the stage. That's their life. That's never me. Never can be me. We are all being transformed into the image of God, into ever-increasing glory, and he will use you where you are. You are you on purpose. That's you are you on purpose, and God knows that. And so he's putting people in your life that he wants you to be a blessing in their life as well. So we thank you for both of you sharing your thank story. You. We're going to invite the worship team to make their way up as they come down. But yeah, thank you. Again, the things that we um, have heard today and uh, just we want to encourage you with this and just know that even when we talk about growing and ever-increasing glory, some of, you, some of you have a couple stories here. Some of you might be like, oh, I just got drugged to church today. So that, maybe you connect with that part of Lisa's story, and you're sitting right next to the person who drugged you here. So who dragged you here? Uh, we'll, get, we'll figure that out later. So <laughs> it's probably dragged. Wow, okay. <laughs> Whatever it takes. We can introduce you to Jesus. We're going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man so we're glad you're here <laughs> but maybe also in your story you may be thinking you know what when I look at growth I just don't feel I'm so I have so far to go remember who you are in Christ you already are a saint God will work on your life keep transforming keep working in you surrender to him. Let him do the process. Don't worry about the measuring stick of where you sit next to someone else. Where you are in the eyes of God. That's where you need to be right now. So we're going to end with one last song. We invite you to stand. Let's sing together in response to just the goodness of our God and the fact that he knows you, loves you just as you are. We have an amazing God who's journeying with us. We are not left alone. Let's respond with this truth.